What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. gentlemen it has been a while a long while we have not done a podcast the last time we did a podcast the Leafs were in the playoffs if you wanted to get an idea of how long it's been the Leafs are very much not in the playoffs I've and now this isn't a matter of I wanted to avoid talking about the Leafs I mean I haven't because I've been right we've been writing about them we've been talking about them (laughs) they've been on our site every day for the last yeah it's it's I mean they're still the biggest draw Uh, the Raptors are close uh second but take your word for it I don't write any um it just felt like it was time to end the pot I mean it was also because of scheduling and you know trying to get dates and time to come in Uh, we finally got into the studio although I will not do that ever again coming from Brampton to Toronto so um, we we do have an interview and I was late for it and that and if Austin and any of you know me, I hate being late. I if I want to be at, there at a certain time, certain place, and it happens where I get stuck in traffic. This was just too, I I said I called Austin. I'm gonna pull up my phone for a second because I usually <laughs> I want I want to give people an idea of that what a terrible. So you, Austin, you are to being late what I am to screwing up somebody's name. Austin, like yeah, Austin time. had called me at what time would that have been? Austin called me at about three thirty, and I was okay. just le- And I had called Austin twice. I had two calls to Austin, one to tell him I was on my. So I had left my mechanic because that's who I went to go see today in Brampton. I left. At about, I left just after three thirty. Even so, I, I I think it was close. Not, I said I gave myself about an hour and a half to two hours to get to our studio where our studio is at the school, and I couldn't make that 
because I got stuck in construction. I got stuck in traffic. I got pulled. I mean, uh, I got pulled over by a guy who wanted to give me a driving lesson. So I wanted to hear myself with that. I could have let it go, um, but Didn't. nope, nope. I had enough of these idiots on the road. So Austin, next time I'm ever in Brampton, we're just going to record at my house. <laughs> Uh, no, but that wasn't your fault, Austin. It was, you know, I like recording at the school because they have the right acoustics. They have the nice board. I have that stuff. Um, I have the nice board in my house, but I don't have the nice acoustics oh, of the studio. Um, with that being said, uh, another reason why we did the podcast today is because we had a guest, as I mentioned before. Uh, we had Ashley Docking, who, um, I mean, Austin will give a great intro to her, but... Uh, <laughs> great is... Very generous. Hey, she was. She enjoyed it. Yeah, that's so, all that matters. Is that Ashley was. Hey, you, moderately. To I don't care what anybody else. And, and Ashley was really good about this. I don't care what anybody else has to say about my intros. As long as the guest likes it, that's all yeah, I care about. That's because fine. it's the guest you want to make sure you do. You're doing them justice every time you bring them on. Um, I didn't do her justice by being late, but she, uh, as a professional, as we all know, that is. Now that I've done some intros, that is my fear now, rather than screwing up somebody's name first, is screwing up somebody's credentials yeah. before that. Um, it's just a big thing of fear. So I'm slacking a little bit here, Austin, because you've had the last two guests on this podcast. Yeah, well, Jesus, you had the last, what, three? We won't keep track. <laughs> yeah, we're not keeping score or anything. No. But uh, but... I had to get good at intros at some point, and I'm mediocre at best now but we'll, we'll work towards it yeah so we're gonna play that a little later when we talk about the rafters we are talking rafters because they are the only we're Toronto not good at talking rafters so we got somebody who is they are the only team in a playoff series right now technically the marlies <laughs> they will are, be the only major we'll, toronto team in a playoff series because the blue jays aren't doing it oh we so, don't need to mention that so imagine if you're a toronto blue if you're the toronto blue jays I mean, I don't think they probably don't really think about this, but just imagine this. This is the one season where expectations were like, don't expect a lot this season. Hey, you spend how much did we say on payroll? About sixty-three million. So I put out a tweet the other day, and it was the Toronto Blue Jays are paying their total roster. This is uh, it's minus according to Sport Rack or subtracted because guys are on IR or IL, whatever they call it now, the disabled list. Um, and they with the guys in the disabled list, they're paying their players fifty three million on the MLB roster currently. That is less than every single NHL team is playing paying their rosters currently. Now they have a luxury tax. Yes, but they're also, as you mentioned, paying a lot of players to not play on the team. Oh yeah, no, they're the sad part is the current roster almost makes less than the guys that we're paying not to play on the team. And look, I understand people are like, "Oh, why?" This is a big financial uptaking that Rogers is taking uh, because the attendance has not been there, and it probably won't be great this season. So they know that this is this season is going to be pretty much a no a no go in terms of revenue too. Like no. they'll make some, they might make some money because of TV and some tickets, but they're not making the profits they were before. And I, I give them, you know, it's not easy to convince an ownership that had great, a great, you know, two years. Even before that, they weren't too bad. No, um, they were there. They just weren't in it. But now, like, they're really taking that, you know, 
that's I think that's something that Shapiro and Atkins are doing really well, and that they're uh, they're they're making people realize that this there is a, a plan. People might not think there is. I think there is a plan. Like, look, when I see the way the Buffalo Bisons are playing, they're playing pretty well. They have some pretty good pieces. I understand people want to see them up, but you see how Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s uh, his kind of upbringing. Now, I will talk, say... Talk about fans burning a guy at the stake. I will say, early. do not blame Guerrero no. because there's two things happening here. I've been seeing a lot of his pitch, like his... Um, uh, strike zone. What do they call like um, the pitch tracking stuff? There's really only two examples, and uh, this is all I wanted to say about Vlad. Two examples I can think of off the top of my head where a guy has stepped in at 19 or 20 years old, say like a teenager still, mm-hmm. and been the best player on his team as soon as he steps in. And, and look, it's Vlad yeah. and Connor McDavid. Yeah. And I'm taking it to another sport because that's recent memory. Um, wow, that beeping noise is back. Fantastic. Shh. Shut up! <laughs> um, I think that's like some air stuff. Oh, well. Don't worry, we won't die. Um, this is what I'll say about Vlad. He's getting some pitch. He he does not want to swing at pitches that are bad. Yep. Because he's a smart player. <laughs> that's what a lot, player of, a lot of the pitches he is holding off on that are balls, and I've seen the pitch. I've seen the strike zone. Yeah. They've been called strikes. Yep. The umpires in this look, I, I've talked about how bad the NBA officiating is. I've talked about how bad MLB umpiring is. It's not consistent. Look, I know that they can't get every call right. I'm not that's not the issue. The issue is the is them insisting that what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. Um there have been some pitches where he is not swinging that should be called balls, where they're being called strikes. We can agree on that. There are also there's also the case where if you're an opposing pitcher, who other than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are you scared to pitch to in this lineup? Justin Smoke, maybe, <laughs> maybe. About. But that's it. Yeah. Like, come on, Socrates Brito just got DFA'd because he he's ter- he was striking out so much. It's an that's, easy out. That's where we could probably leave this because the Jays are just going to lose. They're going to get no... We were possibly. asked to go to the Blue Jays game tonight, and to be fair, I had no desire to go because this team is not worth going to watch right now other we're, than Vlad and they're pitching. A, we're going to a closed dome to watch a team get borderline no hit for seven I will innings. go to the dome when it's open. I, I yeah. you know, I'm not saying that I won't go oh, watch n- game night even... Night games at the dome? No matter how the team's doing? Yeah. Dome's it, open? Go. I'm like, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying I'm not going to go because the team isn't good. Like, I've seen, no team is going to win every night. But the way they're playing right now with the dome being closed, what the, what's the draw? Yeah, it's. It's just Vlad and uh, maybe you want to see Strowman pitch. Maybe you want to see Sanchez pitch. I. And uh, I will say Barucki has, is not, is still not pitching yet. So that's taken a toll. Um, Every, everyone's injured. It's shoot, uh, Matt Shoemaker got hurt, which was unfortunate because he was pitching really well. That's a guy that, you, look, you could have flipped the guy like Matt Shoemaker at the deadline and gone a really, I think, a decent haul of – and Probably would have gotten more if he had kept up like that. We would have gotten more than we got for J.A. Happ last year. Potentially because he was pitching really well. And now there's a – you know whether he was able to sustain it. That's another conversation. Yeah, it, um, the teams. It is what it is. They're and gonna have guys like Bichette, uh, Biggio. Yeah. Um, they're gonna have guys like Alfred. They're gonna have guys like Danny Jansen isn't gonna be this bad. 
bad yeah. forever. He's he's in his, like that team right now. You can tell, you know, there's there's a mentally there there's frustration. Yeah. You can see with the manager whole oh, Charlie Montoyo, I fear for his health. I love Charlie Montoyo. He he's and maybe that's where we can leave this is Charlie Montoyo. Yeah. So good. You know what? He said exactly we, what we, Toronto sports fans wanted. Everybody, everybody was just wondering what the, you know, going from Gibby to Montoyo has been a treat, I think, for the media because he's uh, he's not, you know, the, just the – he has personality. Uh, so hard good. to take seriously. Charlie Montoyo at least has, like – everyone was sort of giggling about him at the start of the year when he ran out and had that funny run out during the yeah. opening day. I was like, oh, Charlie, we love him. But then he's – He's not going to be easy on this team. He's the guy you want to develop your young guys. Yeah. And I'll, I'll leave it at this. Um, Charlie Montoyo, I mean, he said everything right at the beginning of the year when it came to a rebuilding team saying we're going to – or we're not going to try and lose. We're going to be out there to win every game, yada, yada. Said all that. Great. I mean, it's a team that was willingly for the first month and a half of the season was willingly employing Alan Hansen and Socrates Brito in the lineup every day. No, I think I think you know what these we know are, what this team is. Is what I'm getting at. It, this is a stage where you're willing to do to just try things. Like they thought, you know, Brito was decent in the minors. It's literally throwing shit at the wall is what they're yeah. doing right now. They're, they're they're going with as many options as they can to see what can stick, and right now it's not working. Right None now. Of it's working. Although Eric Sogard has worked quite well, <laughs> if I'm gonna say he's gonna be the <laughs> he will he's be gonna, he's having a Leo Komarov esque season. He's gonna be the Jays All Star. Oh, could uh, you imagine? No, it'll probably be Strowman. Absolutely, but playing. one can dream. <laughs> exactly. All right, um, let's talk about the team that I alluded to in the beginning, which was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because again, we're gonna talk a lot more Raptors with uh, Ashley when she comes on. We'll, we'll allude to her the Raptors near the end of the program. Um, man, you know what? As much as as disappointed as I was in the Leafs seeing their season come to an end like it did, seeing all the backlash from it, Travis Dermott needing soldier shoulder surgery out six months. That's not that's not like an easy like quick fix. That's like kind of like what Phil Kessel had when he when he was first brought with the Leafs. People forget that. Um, now Tavares was not related to this. This is more of training. I think it was a practice he yeah, suffered the injury. The so I'm not. That's. I mean, that's just like people. <laughs> the Leafs are, absolutely threw Canada yeah. under the bus for that one. Their PR <laughs> sustained at the World Championships. Yeah, I mean, I I I probably did. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying he got injured with the Leafs. I'm just saying he could have just said he had an injury. Yeah. Um. And then Zach Hyman, the torn ACL. You think about that. You had Hyman hurt. You had Dermot hurt. These were during the playoffs. Like they weren't. These just didn't pop up out of nowhere. Gardner wasn't a hundred percent, and we know that. People were saying, "Man, if only the Leafs won a round, where would they be?" Yeah, I'm not as convinced because when you're down Hyman, I mean, people will laugh, but Hyman. Proved to be a valuable commodity for the Leafs. He serves a role. He serves a role. Dermot serves a role as a guy on the right side, penalty kill. He, the Bruins don't have those type of injuries right now. Yeah. Now, I will say this. Um, you you brought up, and and we talked about our good buddy Steve Dangle. Yeah. 
who had uh, who was having a rough go at it. He had a day. He had a day on the podcast, um, and I still haven't listened to it. Full disclosure, I have. I saw the clip of it, and I I was scared. I you know what? And people were probably thinking that Steve, that and it's not just. Let me just say this, Steve. If you are listening, it's not just you. There's a lot of people who have the same feelings as you do. I. Oh, this is tough. I mean, the referee, the officiating in the NHL playoffs has not been good. And no, it's not just the Bruins. It's, it's across the board. They're, they're with, what happened when they brought in video replay review is that it's supposed to take the pressure off the officials that if they even if they got the call wrong, they can fix it and try to get it right. The issue right now is the calls that you can't review – have been bad. So what what was the point of video replay? Like they're saying it's gonna help in the playoffs when you don't want an offside goal to sign the Stanley Cup finals. Well guess what? We just had a team get eliminated in game seven where they score a goal but it was deemed offside. I don't think that one is controversial because they laid it out properly. Um so I'm not too worried about that one. I look at if Leaf fans think that they have a reason to be mad. The Vegas Golden Knights have the biggest reason out of yeah. any of the teams to be mad. They, Joe Pavelski, he's thank God he's back because you know San Jose that was a scary thing seeing him out like that. That was not a five minute misconduct penalty. Nope, that was nothing. Yeah, created a great game though. It created I wasn't a great ending. Any attention to that game until that penalty. Um. Our buddy Chris, who follows Vegas because he writes for the Vegas uh, Golden Knights SB Nation account. Shout out the big pigeon himself, Chris. Um, Sorry, James yeah. is the big pigeon. He's the little pigeon. Yeah. James is the big pigeon. Who will be coming to Toronto soon, Ooh. by the way? Um, Get Jake Middleton live. Look at that. We're tr- we're working on it. It's you know When he comes up, he has family and stuff to do. We're but... talking to his people because yeah. he's big time. His people are getting in contact with our people, and we're working on it. His fee's a lot higher when it's live, so, you know. So says you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, Vegas got screwed because that's – and people say, oh, the penalty has to be better. If the Leafs got the same thing, I wouldn't be saying that. I'd be saying, why should I have to kill off a five-minute major? And, look, the mentality changes. It's not like five-minute – okay, guys, let's – like, you know, it's like a five-minute major where – this sucks. We just lost a good penalty killer, by the way. Like it, it's uh, it was terrible. That's something I and um, I've heard many takes on this. You know, if you're gonna throw a guy out of the game in the NBA, they review fouls like that yep. to determine whether it is it's a good idea, a good, a big enough foul to throw I mean, a guy out. Charlie McAvoy, a couple days ago. No, oh, that you're that you were leading into that point. I know, but on the topic of review yeah. and five minute majors. Can we just talk about the Leafs real quick before we do that? Sure. You have no reason to be upset about the refs in that series. No. There's um, one game in that series that the ref was questioned. The refing was questionable. There's, there was one and a bit. They're overtly questionable. Game two. Game two was, was terrible. Yeah, not good. It was garbage. That is the only one that you can say, yeah, the refs probably weren't on their A game. Yeah. The um, other games, what do you have to complain about? Game my seven. only thing about game seven John Tavares is in a scrum yeah. oh, with other yeah. guys and gets blatantly punched in the head. Whether he goes down or not, that's a roughing call. Bruins are getting uh benefit of the doubt when it comes to punches in the head. 
those playoffs. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, let's bring that into here. Charlie McAvoy's call should have been a five-minute, you're out of the game. Yep. It was a hit to the head. He got suspended, so I'm, he got suspended. I'm cool with that. As long as he gets suspended, it wasn't just yeah. a two-minute. But, it, you know, it, and then when you see what happened in game one against cool. Carolina, yeah, if I'm Dougie Hamilton, I throw my arms up in the – like, Rob Brindor had the best reaction. Said, what do you want me to do in that situation? Especially since some guy steamrolls. The, fir- the first one where, where um, Sveshnikov got hit from behind? Yeah. The guy steamrolled a rookie from behind in – in open ice, it wasn't against the board. Yes, yeah. and then so, and then someone's like, "Oh, but look at what um, what George Stoll did to Brad Marchand. Marchand got in his way." So that that was Borelli, Frankie Borelli. No, that was Grinelli. Grinelli, wrong Italian. Wrong Italian. Mikey Grinelli, was, I, lo- I you know I love the work you do on the spin chiclets, but that was uh, not. That was also a troll post. I think he, yeah he want he was trying to he, get people he, he riled was up. In the pot. Uh, great great job he did. He does a he good succeeded. job at that. Um, yeah, like that. Uh, I think it was the second Hamilton penalty where the guy goes to hit him and he gives him. Maybe they thought the elbow he, he was gives excessive. Him that little back check. It also didn't help that Hamilton six five and the guy he hit was not yeah. six five. You know, it, it's I don't just know who he even hit. Was, it, you know, people are saying, "Oh, we're getting mad because it's the Bruins, it's the Bruins." Yeah, some people are. The, the point is not. We've seen the Bruins get away with stuff like that, and they're, they're not. <laughs> Lee, why would Lee they have any been reason? Watching the Bruins get away with stuff since yeah. 2013. Why? Why? Chris Kelly back elbowed Rand Reemsdijk and nearly broke his nose. Yeah, like, oh, where, where was that one where? That in, oh, Dermot got elbowed in the face by DeBrusque. Yeah. I remember that one now. That was the same game that Kadri checked him. He elbowed. Was Dermot. it? Yeah, that's right. Because okay. that was the all the lead up. Yeah, that everyone was upset about. Okay. So yeah, I, I was trying to remember all this. Look, the thing is, it's hard when it's you see the one team. Now, if it's, the Bruins were saying, yeah. if the Bruins, if the Bruins just were fortunate, no, they play a certain way, and we know it. They play a certain way where they know they can cross a line, but not enough that like look. But br- can we be fair here? Yeah. If this was Carolina getting all these calls. Nobody would give a shit. I would. I wouldn't want a guy like people would then will go with the narrative. Oh, they're only that. here that the refs are giving it to them. No, but the fact that it's Boston, yeah, that's getting the benefit of the doubt on these calls and not a Carolina or a Colorado. But one, th- one, th- it makes it yeah. worse. One thing I will say though, it's it's finally opening up the rest of the NHL because people yeah. think that Leafs fans were getting. It's the rest of the NHL that's seeing it now. It's a market like Carolina that might be small. But guess what? People are seeing it because it's bought. Like they're now seeing it a bit more. I'm yeah. just saying. Um, I will commend the Bruins on the way that Tukaraska has played, because he's been really good. Um, now, th- there's been a couple of things I've I've been thinking about with the Leafs because we're gonna. I, I don't want to talk about Boston anymore, I'll, unless we can until talk about I the talk about the Marlies for the next little bit. We'll, we'll talk about the Marlies too. Um, we've got we've got a lot to talk about because it's been a while. Um, so there's been a lot to be said about Mike Babcock the last little while. Oh yeah. Um, this is I'm gonna give my little thoughts on Bob, um, Mr. Babcock. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's recorded now. You have no. Way I do back. not care for how he danced around. The question at the press conference of it's embarrassing to be quite honest. It's yeah, you know what? Now, 
You're, I will say this. You're a 50-year-old man. Take some goddamn responsibility. He should, but we know that's not his way, the way he does it. Because th- this was him sending a message. And I, I, I'm, I'm really getting into the point that I don't think... Now, look, I think Dubis and Babcock have a working relationship. They can work together. But these little subtle shots... And guess what? Dubis... Is guilty of it too, and I will. I, yeah. I, but I will. I will explain in it's a second. It's not a one-party thing. Dubis no. is definitely. This I'm is. I'm trying this... to say this without sounding. He. I lost respect for him as the guy I want to coach the Leafs when he didn't take any responsibility for his actions in Game Seven. What I will say though. That's that's not a coach of a team that I want to watch. Now, th- this is the thing. I don't appreciate that he didn't, but he also made it a point to say, look. The Kadri suspension. Yeah. Look, people are saying, "Oh, but Nylander, I, I, we have now known Nylander is just not. You can't play him at center Nylander with two is, guys that he needs to carry on the wing." Nylander is a lazy person's excuse for why the Leafs aren't doing well. They it don't want to look and. But it, it was it, a, get mad at me all you want. Yeah. I defended Nylander all season. I've defended him since he signed. Yeah. Nylander was not the problem in that series. Did he have screw ups? Yes. He did absolutely. I will not. But not enough. But not more than people. He did other not people. single-handedly cost the Leafs a series. No. So shut your damn mouth That's when true. it comes to that. I will say, what the Kadri suspension did was put him in a position he should not have been in in the first place, unless it was an injury. If it was an injury, then I could say, you know, a Babcock, you need. Mike Babcock should not be faulted for Kadri losing his cool. Because no. Mike Babcock... It's not Mike saw, Babcock's fault that Kadri did something stupid. Again. And guess what? Babcock, people say, oh, but Babcock should have had a call. He did when Kadri was yelling at the other bench. Yeah. And he told him to knock it off. Yeah. That's more on your veteran leadership, including Patrick Marlowe, who's on his line, to say Naz. But Marlowe was it. the one that was sitting on the ice when Naz did it. So there's no yeah. way of him... No, but there is that. not. I'm saying... But we saw, we saw the wheels in motion... Yep. During the game, and somebody should have had a call. We've seen scenarios like this with Kadri, though, because he just sees red and it's over. Yeah. So he's going to do something stupid. He did it, what is it, the last time I can remember? Well, last playoffs. Yeah, last year. The Vancouver game when and he he's done, nearly headshotted one of the Sedins. He's done it, and he read, he headshot a, a guy. On, he's done it before. So this is my question. Can you, tr- and it's been asked, can you trust him? I don't think Mike Babcock trusts him right now. He's given you no reason to over the last two years. Yeah. Other than him scoring 30 goals last season. I understand his contract is good, and he's still a good player. But to to me, that hit last year was way, way worse than what he did this year. It in was. In terms of being an idiot. Because, yeah, he cross-checked. You know what? He didn't really hit the brusque hard in the face, but not, it was enough to get I'm not defending that hit. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, that's a heat-of-the-moment thing. Yeah. Where he just cross-checked him in the face, and that was really stupid. He had a chance to hold up on la- last year when he hit Tommy Wingle from behind. He yeah. came from the face-off circle yeah. to the sideboards. He saw he Marner going down. He had every chance in the world to yeah. lay off, and he didn't. Look, that you could, dumber that's not game. being a good teammate. That's no. is being selfish. I, I and I agree with those people who had those takes. That I don't I don't fault Mike Babcock on that because that really changed the way he matches his lines in the series. What I don't like when I see a guy like Trevor Moore who's yeah. playing really well not get the opportunity. Tyler Ennis in Game 7, I put out a tweet saying I could see Tyler Ennis scoring a goal because he was buzzing. The fourth line was great. And guess what? The Leafs didn't lose that series because Patrice Bergeron, Barb Marchand, David Pasternak were good. 
they they lost for three quarters. <laughs> they've lost that series, especially in Game Seven, because the Bruins' third and fourth line massacred the Leafs' third and fourth line. Uh, Tory Krug, not you know a guy that's not the top A guy in Boston. He's decent enough. Had like seven shots in one game because yeah. there was no plan. There they was adapted. no adapt. Yeah, there was nothing. The, the Bruins didn't. adapted. The Leafs didn't. For That's the on the coach. That is on the coach. I will say that. That is on the coach. So this is now, and I, I guarantee the conversations have happened because if I'm Brendan Shanahan and Shanahan was watching all those games, he's having that conversation. Okay, the one thing about Brendan Shanahan, and, you know, as I said, he was talking, you know, he's probably had that conversation because he was watching those games. One thing about Babcock, Babcock really doesn't owe the media an explanation, I think. And I think that's probably his his feelings about it. I think Kyle Dubas, in apologizing, did one of two things. One, he probably knows, and like let's be real, we know Dubas is on Twitter. We know he's following what everyone is saying. So he's he's taking onus on that so that People aren't talking about his coach, I think. I think that was part of it, too. Now, I don't agree. I don't think the general manager should be taking blame for everything because it does one of two things. One, it puts pressure on you. Why would you put pressure on yourself? And second, you know, he didn't give Babcock the, you know, the, uh, yeah, he's definitely coming back next season. I thought that was a little telling. I don't think it was, I think, you know, you can't just unanimously say the coach is coming back after what happened because of what the expectations were like. But I, I think people are reading too much into, yeah, I want Babcock to say, you know, maybe we could have done things a little differently. That's all he had to say. We're not saying, Mike, you have to say you were wrong with how you did it. Just say, I, you know, we could have made a couple of different, done a different things. I, I just don't think Babcock is that type of person. He's never been that type of person. Um, it's more of how he is with the people he is working with. I, I'd rather know what that is like. We're never going to know that. But I'd rather know what that is like rather than what he's saying in front of the media. I think people – and look, the media didn't exactly push that envelope either, right? Yeah. I've seen the Leafs media really go at him at stuff. They didn't really go at him with that. They just – they kind of just let it be at that. And, you know, I am i didn't appreciate some of the questions in that they didn't really press on those on some of those topics. Now, Dubas did mention that he felt like the Leafs could have had better penalty killers, better depth. And you know what? In a way, I think he's right in that I think Babcock sees these guys in practice and he just doesn't think they work. You can't just bring up a guy from the Marlies and say – Put this guy in, he's going to give you success. Yeah. It takes time. Callie Rosen, I think, should have been in the series. I think he could have over Gardner because... I Honestly, at a point, I think... I mean, hindsight, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. I think they should have gone 7D. And even if Callie Rosen is not exactly what everyone expected him to be right off the bat, I mean... Frederick Gauthier didn't really do a whole lot of anything in the series. Yeah. Remember all those people were ready to say Frederick Gauthier is a perfect fourth-line center? I'd rather double-shift Matthews and Tavares and have an extra D-man just in case. I think if Kadri was still in, you could have. I think that would have been perfect. I think with Kadri being out, you needed needed your fourth-line center to be a little bit better. 
he wasn't. But let's be real. Game six was the missed opportunity. It wasn't game seven. We know that. Um, I think if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm looking at how all the other teams are right now. And I know that people are saying, oh, you don't want to do something based on what other teams are doing. There's a couple of things here. One, all four teams are in the conference finals. So Boston, Carolina, San Jose, and St. Louis. Only one team had question marks at goaltending. Only one. Bennington was good. Wasn't didn't have to be good the whole year because he wasn't there the whole year, so he was pretty fresh. Um, Martin, Martin Jones, Jones stud. <laughs> he's been good enough to get San Jose he's to where they the need to be. Couple years, but this year not not so much. He's had his ups and downs. Tuukka Rask had Yaroslav Halak behind him to go the one A one B. Mrazek and McElhinney had been doing the one A one B all year. Kyle Dubas yeah. did not do Mike Babcock, the Leafs, or anybody else any favors when. He didn't. And I'll look, he brought in Hutchinson out of necessity. That was, I think, the one thing I would have changed if I was him. For what? Get me a goaltender that could spell Freddie some time because there was oh, times you mean during the regular season. Look, I thought you meant no, 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 not in the playoffs. I'm talking oh, about the okay. regular season. There were times in that regular season where the Leafs did not look very good. But if you get better goaltending from your backup, it changes the way your team thinks. I also think there were times where, the, guess what? The Leafs dealt with injuries. They had two defensemen get wiped out. Yeah. And it was an abomination from that point. People are like, oh, because yeah. Gardner said you could play. We talk about what the Marlies have done, and we can't we can't have a guy come up. Martin Marincin is the best option. Now, I think maybe Babcock thought that was the best option too. That frightens me to no end. Okay. That he, that he looked at his lineup. It was... Oh, yeah. Bring up Marty. He's the best. Let's do it. Yeah. Now, Callie Rosen was injured. Andreas Borgman was injured. That that means that the depth that we thought was good, depth means nothing as soon as injuries start to happen. That's when your depth gets tested. When guys are not 100%. I looked at the Bruins did not have McAvoy in game one against Carolina. The guy they brought in to put in for McAvoy scored in the game. Nice. You need your your depth. Now, your coach has to trust that depth, too. I think there's a two-way street on that. But your depth has to be, no doubt, I can plug this guy in and know he can get the job done. I think yep. Rosen needs to, whoever it is, whether it's, and guess what? We're going to talk about the injuries right now because Travis Durbin and Zach Hyman are out. Yep. Mike Babcock will have to play whoever Kyle has to give him. If I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm giving him guys that – look, Timothy Liljegren, I think yeah. he should be well within the top of the list of guys saying, this guy needs to play. At, at this point in the process, I think he's a leaf. He's a leaf season. on the third pairing, and I have no problem with that. You put him and if you put him and Borgman and Rosen or whoever the mix, even the new Finnish guy, Timu Kivihalme. I can't even Halma, say that. Rather, I don't know. There's you, no. There's usually elite prospects has uh, uh like with yeah. Liljegren, they had a translation that you yeah. can put in. Not I want to see these guys who we've been talking about get that opportunity. Now Babcock's gonna have to. Ch- Make sure that he, you know, you, that's something as a gym you have to tell him. Look, 
these are the guys we're going to go with because you want the guys like Patrick Marlowe, John Tavares. You want to keep Mitch. You want to keep off. You need to you need to bring these guys in because this is how other teams. I look at the San Jose Sharks. Do you think how are they able to manage their cap? They're able to manage their cap because the guys, the young guys that we don't know about, are doing really well, like LeBanc, Donskoy, um, Timo Meyer. These are guys that have been given that chance because really they don't have any other options. I look at Colorado. They have their big stars. It might change once Bar- Barry and Ranton want their money. I look at, at the Calgary Flames. Everybody thought was going to go to the Western Conference Final, even the Stanley Cup Final, because they were the best team in the West. Yeah. When Monaghan, Goudreau, and Lindholm couldn't do what they needed to do, nothing else worked because their depth wasn't good enough. Their fa- goaltending was fantastic. Everything else failed them. I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Kucherov was not very good in that series. Nobody was really good in that series. Hedman was injured. They never had to deal with that in the regular season. Guess what? The Leafs did, and they messed up that chance to see what they had because they wanted to play Hainsey so much, which made no sense. Muzzin looked like he was hurt at one point with his back. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get a Muzzin uh, injury update. Maybe his isn't bad <laughs> enough. Maybe his is just it rest. It might just be spasms or something. It might, you know, something that he just needs to relax. This Leafs team, for what they're paying guys, I'm talking about Connor Brown. I'm talking about Patrick Marlowe and Nikita Zaitsev. What they're paying, if people are people are so worried, and we're gonna get to the con the RFA, the big RFA question in a second. Mm-hmm. You got if you want to be paid, you got to deliver. You know, Mike Babcock took a lot of flack for paying Patrick Merle and Connor Brown. You know what? People are letting those guys off the hook. Patrick Merle got, you know what? People are saying it's Mike Babcock's fault because he's playing them. No, it's Patrick Merle's fault for not playing the way Patrick Merle should be playing too. Let's be real here. Connor Brown. But you can't, in that sense, it's like contract extensions. Those guys aren't playing well. It's not their fault that they're being thrown back on the ice. They know they're not playing well. It's not like Patrick Merle's. But the message great. is also you got to figure it out because yeah. we can't we but, can't afford to take you off because yes I wanted to see Trevor Moore but Babcock <laughs> wasn't going to do that so guess in, what in game seven though you can't just send a guy out there and hey figure it out no you need guys out there that know what they're doing and even the, if it means the part, they're tired the part that bothers me is that in game I think it was game three they looked fantastic that line Nylander Marlowe and Brown yeah. they were all over the Bruins and then it fell. It fell off from there. I don't understand what it is. Because the Bruins made adjustments, and Connor Brown and Patrick Marlowe couldn't do anything anymore. And the part about Bra- about Marlowe that 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 frustrates me, he's not a rookie. He's he's a he's been he was the he's the probably he's what the longest tenure player in the league right now. Yeah. And you're telling me he can't make adjustments? And he he might be battling something as well. You he know, said he he's going to be changing his equipment. He's, he's actually going to be using a full piece stick now. Oh, great, Patrick! Nice you're getting with the times. You know, I, I just think he's, he's having. I just think we let that have been used in the in this century. We left the we those guys got got those guys got off easy, in my opinion. In my opinion, they did not they did not come up in the way that we expected them to, and it disappoints me. Yeah. Now, before we talk about Marley, because I want to talk to them in a positive way. Um, you're showing me a gif. Elias Pettersson did a thing today, and I am impressed. 
Oh, oh, okay. Talk about a smart player. Wait until Vancouver has to pay him because that's, that's now what everyone's talking about now. So let's talk about the guy, Mitch Marner. You know, I like all the flack that William Nylander was getting about his contract and being selfish. Yeah. You know, people will say Austin Matthews may have been given a little too much money. He signed. He gave them five years. Did anybody else on the on the, did did Mitch Marner be was he willing to negotiate? Don't tell me. I'm I'm a little fired up now. If you can tell, don't tell me you don't want to negotiate in the season because you don't want to have to worry about it. Austin Matthews negotiated during the season. A lot of players negotiate during the season. Every single player has an agent. You pay to negotiate for you. Don't have to, your agent doesn't have to talk to you twenty four seven about your contract. Just tell your agent this is what I want. Talk with the team, see what they'll do, and then when something, when something is ready to come to the table, you do it. So now what Mitch Marner's doing, and I yeah. I know exactly what he's doing. He said last summer, this is the number I would need. I think what was it nine million? Was it nine? Neilander? No, no, to oh, Marner in the um, offseason. What was the number they said for eight years? Nine million? It was definitely under 10. I guarantee Bab, um Sorry, people are saying, oh, we could have gone Matthews for less. No, 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 no. Matthews knew his value yeah. from from the start of the season, even before that. First off, how is the, the how were those deals not announced July 1st of last year? You could have, as soon as July 1st, you know who that's on? Our good old buddy Lou. He could have, he could have, he could have done those negotiations. But guess what? He knew he wasn't going to be there, so he says, "Why do I? Why would that be a priority for me? My priority, really, there was no. He didn't really need to do anything. Didn't do anything at the trade deadline to help the Leafs in the playoffs last year. He knew he wasn't going to be there, so why help them with their contract negotiations? And Kyle Dubas was put in a tough spot because he didn't take over until what? Just before the draft. He had to deal with the draft first. Then he had to deal with signing the big free agent that they were working on since February. Yeah. That was their plan. And then we'll get to the RFAs. Nylander's, I know, I I think Nylander's negotiation also took a toll on how they could deal with Marner Matthews because he needed to get that one done. So if I'm Nylander... You dropped the ball there, buddy, and now you put an unnecessary pressure on yourself, and I think he realized that, and so did Dubas. Neil Anders said that uh, during his yeah. end-of-season interview is that if he wished he would have gotten it done before the season started. And unfortunately, it already happened. So and The unfortunate thing of Neil Anders is he... He's now put a permanent spotlight on himself yeah, because of it. He is the whipping boy for Leaf fans, Yeah, just in general. A certain crowd of Leaf fans, for sure, will always hold him accountable. For everything he does, yeah, which is fine. You you have that right, yeah. But Lee fans in general, he has to come out and have a great season next year. He does. He needs to go set a new career high in points. At the he's very playing least. in the World Championship, right? Yeah, he's playing with Pedersen right now. That clip I was just showing you was Pedersen drop passing it to Nylander coming oh. down the wing. He's wearing eighty eight for maybe, some reason. Maybe he needs to change his number too. Although yeah, getting that Pasternak, if, we, if he wears eighty eight in Canada, that might eh, eh. details may not work. Um, yeah. I what I'm gonna say is Mitch Marner could have done this one of two ways. Or he's doing this. He could. There's one of two ways he could have done this. One, he could prove to be very difficult, which he's doing right now because 
now. Like negotiations well, are probably happening now. Yeah. But but guess what? They can't. The Leafs cannot do anything until they know what his his status is like. And as we know now, Marner's not the only one you have to take into consideration yeah. here. It's and, Marner's camp that's yeah. in his ear. And Dubas made that clear. Yeah. He made it clear that, and I love this part of the press conference. He said, "We cannot do anything until we get Mitch done." That was a Good. direct message at the at Marner's camp, and saying, yeah. "You are now going to affect the progress of this team." Yeah. So for people who are saying that Nylander is being selfish, guess what? Marner is being that too. And I don't, if he, I don't know if it's Mitch though. It's not Mitch. Maybe it's his camp. But guess what? It's Mitch's decision. Yep. If it's Mitch it. wants to take this amount of money and his family is not happy about it, you know what I would say to my family? It's it's me that's playing the game. It's not you. Yeah. You know. What's I understand. Funny? But I understand. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. I understand that in the Canadian hockey culture, your parents make sacrifice. Like Mitch Marner's dad had him in skill training when he was a kid. So that was probably a lot of money he shelled out there. So guess what? Parents have that control because they've had it since those kids were young. And I think for Marner, he knows his dad's not giving up that control that easily. Unfortunate. Um, But if I'm – and that's on the agent too, but the agent is working for the parent right now. He's not working – if people think that Ferris is uh, working for Marner right now, not just working for Marner – now, for some agents, that's a pain in the ass, but I think in his case, he understands that his his fa- his father wants to get the most from Mitch. A little more hands-on than most families yeah. would be. And he's come out and said it. It's not like, oh, we don't know. No, we know he is. He came out with a full article stating so. Like Michael Nylander, we Never vilified him a bit because we assumed that he was the one that was telling Willie to hold out. I don't know for sure. Paul Marner was on record saying that he thinks his son should be the captain. The Leafs don't respect him. Yada, yada, yada. What did – this is my issue here. The fact that he went on record is what's going to piss most people yeah. off. What did Mar- – and look, Mitch Marner is a great player. He had – he was the – he had the most points – I believe most points this season for the Leafs. Didn't have the most goals. Um, but he had the most points he was setting up Tavares. What has he done in my, in your mind and people who like Marner and are on the Marner side, what has he done to deserve the C that his dad was claiming he should get? Uh, what has he done to deserve Kucherov money? Let's not forget Nikita Kucherov did not he, get that contract right away. To be fair, Kucherov money isn't really Kucherov money. Kucherov is doing a real solid for Tampa because he should be making Matthews money. He should be, but guess what? Kucherov realized, I take Matthews money – Hedman's not there. Sankos isn't there. Braden I mean, Point, who they need to sign, isn't there, although we don't know what's going to happen there. He's going to sign for a McDonald's coupon at this point. Like, we're not at – now, this is the thing, though. We're not telling Mitch, take Nylander money. We're not – we're just saying you can't take Matthews money because guess what? I think Austin Matthews is still the more valuable player. Yeah. And this is the reason why I say that. He's a center. He scores goals. He's he's a 40-goal center. Now, Marner sets up guys for goals, but until Tavares came, he was a 60-point guy. You got to give Mitch credit, though. He he turned on the goals. Yeah. He, turned, he was 20, he's over 25 goals this season. Yes, but 
25 and more. 25 and 40 is way different. I want to see Marner be a little more selfish in that regard and take more shots. Yeah. Don't try to set up Zach Hyman all the time. I'm sorry. Some plays he can make, and some plays Zach Hyman can't make. Pretty much three-quarters of the plays I'm, Marner can make, Zach Hyman really it, can't. Like, like, honestly, if the Leafs had offered Marner the Nikita Kucherov contract, how can you sit there and say, that's not good enough? I'm having a hard time understanding how that that maybe the Leafs aren't offering that. Maybe they're trying to get him lower. We don't know. But the basis that Darren Drager, who's been a really big on the he wants Matthews money. Yeah. By the way, it's only Darren Drager if you realize that. It's funny. Funny yeah. how that works. It's, it's interesting how that works, right? And we've heard what CJ said. The Leafs are not willing to make Mitch Marta the highest pay winger in the league. Because there were other – Mitch Marner did not get nominated for a heart. No. Uh, Nikita Kucherov did. Because Nikita Kucherov has proven over the last few years. Marner proved it this year. He can elevate his game. He probably will be able to elevate his game. But come on. You're saying you're better – you're gonna you're worth more money than Patrick Kane? Who, guess what? $10.5 million? That's Chicago. It's not Florida – that's Chicago money. And he's I, – I compare their situations. I think you cannot pay Mitch Martin more than Patrick Kane. And Patrick Kane didn't take that deal right away. I, yeah. If I'm a young guy like Marner and Matthews, I, I would need to realize that those deals were not available right out of ELC. Not until McDavid. He was the first. Yeah. Every other player had to sign some sort of five-, six-year deal like Tavares to get to that point. Yeah. And guess what? You can still sign. If you're good enough, you can still sign. Enough. This is what Matthews realized. I will take the five years because I can make more money out, outside of that after, whether it's with the Leafs or whether it's with another team. And it's not going to be Arizona. I'm sorry. No. Maybe at the end of his career. Um, because your economic value is no higher than it is right now playing in Toronto. Marner would not have the intact insurance commercial. He would not have the Red Bull. He would not he's have making the all the Apple. money. If he doesn't get over ten, he's making all that money back. In he is all the sponsorships he has. And Matthews wanted, I think, over eight years. He wanted the max. I think he wanted fourteen, yeah. based on what Elliot Freeman, I think, reported. Which, look, McDavid. Ooh. Look, McDavid took a discount. Yeah. But McDavid, the salary cap was lower when McDavid if, took it. If you're it. the guy that takes more money than McDavid, you are in trouble yeah. for the rest of your career. And, and McDavid is not getting worse. And if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm telling the agent, I'm telling them, if you take more money than Patrick Kane and Nikita Kucherov, you're putting your client in a position where, look, he's good, but does he want to put himself in that position? No, I wouldn't. No. So, and it's going to have an impact on Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen, who, look, they were, I thought Janssen was decent in the playoffs. Not good enough to play with Matthews, in my opinion. Yeah. If I'm the Leafs, I'm thinking to myself, can I say for certainty that Johnson will be able to play with Matthews and pay and pay and look, if that's the case, then he's gonna want to be paid yeah. in that regard. Although Zach Hyman got paid what, two and a two half and change, two yeah. and change. Janssen this is your first NHL season. People are saying, oh, he should be getting over three. 
Three is the max. That's not going to happen. And Kasperi Kapanen is the same. You guys did not carry your play all season. You have to make more than Zach Hyman, but not that much more. No. Than Zach Hyman. Because... Zach Hyman, as yeah. much as you don't and, like him, he's still a top six. And forward guess what? If I'm if I'm Janssen and Kapanen, I'm telling them, you don't want if you, this is the number you want, we'll trade you to a team they'll give it to you. Because guess what? The Leafs hold their rights until, until somebody offers you some. The more I've been watching the Marlies, I guess we can segue into that. Yeah, we're gonna like. segue into that. Yeah. The more that I've watched the Marlies over the stretch, because now that they're in the playoffs, they're on TSN more, they're being Le- televised more. Yeah. Um. I'm not worried about losing Janssen or Cap. No. Because there's a lot of talent down there. Trevor Moore, Mason Marchman. Jeremy Bracco. Adam Brooks Jeremy is Bracco is going to yeah. be a player. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I'm capping him right now and I'm looking at Jeremy Bracco, that's your main competition on the right wing right and now. And he is quick as well. He's not Kasperi Kapanen quick. He's got yeah. some of the best edge work I've ever seen in my life. And Connor Brown can, if if I'm Connor Brown, I'm saying, I'll move to the left side so I don't lose my spot to nope. Jeremy and- Bracco. Like if I'm if I'm it's Brown. not even them, it's Bracco, it's Marchment, it's Moore, it's Engvall. Oh, Pierre Engvall has got to be the fourth set, fourth line oh, center next year. So good. A does, guy that can like he's Frederick Gauthier except more offensive and better skater. Pretty much, and better. does the exact same job on defense. Like I, you know how many times I saw Gauthier fall down because he, his he skate. is the smoothest stride Engvall that I have yeah. seen out of a guy his size. Okay, if I'm if I'm my, look if people are like oh Mike Babcock said the Leafs are going to get bigger and they were like how I know how Engvall Korshkov who I think look he's not he's not coming to the KHL if to he's spend to, a year with the Marlies to spend a year with the Marlies no, he would have gone back and signed with local the guy that they just brought in Mika- Ilya Mikheyev Mikheyev they didn't bring this guy to go play with the Marlies I like him a lot these and are some bigger players. I couldn't post his highlights. They're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got a chance to look at them. but I did, yeah. I retweeted one of them. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was having trouble. My, my laptop overheated yeah. when I was trying to post them, so it was a rough day. Um, Mikheyev is exciting to me because mm-hmm. he fits the bill that Babcock wants. He's 6'2", uh, 194, I believe. Yeah. He's a big boy. He can pedally kill. He played under Bob Hartley last year, with, uh, this past season, with yeah. Avangard Omsk. Um, that's but by Babcock's gonna have to use that's him as the biggest killer. thing that Babcock's gonna like. He doesn't. I don't think he takes draws. But Babcock's never been afraid to put a winger at center if he really needs yeah, to. Yeah, that's another thing they need to yeah. change. They need um, they they need a guy that can play center or wing. They I, need to find a, a utility guy like that. Yeah, I kind of equate him. That's why they're trying to do with Engvall, right? Yeah, in certain ways, I equate him to Leo Komarov. But more offensively gifted. Yeah. Some people are lot. saying his skating isn't the best. Barb Ontario. <laughs> like, I know what I, the way I see it. Korshkov skating isn't the best either. Give that woman a summer with that guy. Yeah. I, I, see the what way, she did with Gautier? She's yeah. A goddamn miracle worker. Yeah, Gautier couldn't skate, and now he's. I mean, he still can't skate all that well, but it's. He can't, he, can, he, he cannot be the least fourth line center next year. No. Not at all. He can't. Unless you rotate him in and out. Yeah, he can be a he can be a thirteenth forward. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, like you know the way I see this, like the Marlies, they're dominant for a reason. Yeah, good coaching by Sheldon Keefe, who, look, Sheldon Keefe's job isn't necessarily to win; it's yeah. to develop players. What the Marlies are showing is that when you develop them to a certain level, they can excel. That's what they're showing right now. 
Like Sheldon yeah. Keefe, there's times where guess what? The goaltending has saved their ass. Like Cascasul has had to bail them out big in the time. playoffs. Yes, very much. Yes. So. so it's. I mean, the Marlies have been really good. Let's park it on. It's all Sheldon Keefe, because in my opinion, that takes away from what the players Sen have been good. Have been good. The player, you have to give the like the the coaching has been good. The player plays have been good. Players have been good. So let's let's give everyone their due in yeah. that regard. Um, yeah, Bracco has been good. Chris Mueller has been good too. Chris Mueller's just when he, they signed him, I was very excited because just from his stats. Obviously, I'm not a big AHL. You have to subscribe to watch yeah. all their games, but just going off his stats, he's just consistently. Well, I, a great but you watch them these least playoffs with Bracco. There's a he's chemistry so there. You put it, he, he's just one of those guys. You put a player with, like Bracco with him, and he's going to succeed. Timoshov has started to reach his potential. Timoshov is very good. Um, he's just small. There's a lot of. I mean, the, but these are prospect capital you build up for. Yeah. You got but, you lose a guy. I don't think Timoshov is a, a leaf. I think he gets traded somewhere and yeah like, does well somewhere else. Like, but. look, you, you're losing a Hyman for a month and a bit. You need someone to slot yeah, right in. That's the thing is you're gonna there's gonna be chances for guys to prove themselves, and it on the back end is the bigger thing. Yeah, because I think Lilligren definitely. I think he needed this year in the AHL. Yep. I like look. He I does, think it wouldn't hurt him to be in the AHL for another season. I think he would. Have it never him. does, but, but I think what you do is you you yeah. put him in Dermot's spot when Dermot is back. Timothy, you did well. This is what you need to work on. You'll be back up before the playoffs. I think he could stick. I don't think he he's could. just a stopgap for until Dermot's back. Like I think, I think that, that's a an, that's a situation where I can easily see him getting in the. It on depends the on the cap scenario because if they're stripped on the or very close to the cap, then they're gonna need. They don't have a choice. They gotta yeah. use the young guys or they gotta get guys on league. Or league. you call the Nashville Predators, who I see as the perfect team to call and say, you need offense. I need defense. What do you want to do? Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. There are a lot of teams, I think, that are going to need to make some moves mm -hmm. because of the cap, because they don't have, they can't just go and sign guys. Free agency is not like it used to be. Who's the top free agent? Eric Carlson. He could defense, be off yeah. the beard. He could be, sorry, he can be off the board. Off the beard. He can be yeah. off. He has a nice beard. It's grown in nicely. He's a guy that's. Been there, I so. think he could. He's either going back to San Jose or he's going into the Rangers. Jeez. That's what I the see. The Rangers have been looking pretty good. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. I have a couple friends of mine. You see their, fans. they see their eyes emoji when Kako. There's like people are putting that Kako Rangers. I am getting ready to post our next mock. Those have been doing very well, by the way. Good. I appreciate the people that read those. Because I just throw names at a wall and at a certain team and hope it sounds smart. Yeah. Um, he's going to be good. Oh, he's so good. You see, you see what he did against Canada, against NHL he's players. He's unbelievable, man. And he's not playing. There's no way. Like, at the start of the year, they thought he might end up going back over to Liga. There's no way. He's going to play top six. The, the Rangers, Rangers see. They see. Look, Artemi Panarin, if the Rangers aren't all in on Panarin and Carlson, I don't see. What do you think of that idea of the Leafs if Marner takes oh, the offer sheet Jesus. and going after Panarin? I love it. I it's love, such I love a Mitch. Leafs move. I love Mitch so much. He was the first Leaf jersey I had bought when this new team started. When the newest little – Like this newest little, era. Yeah. I didn't get a Matthews jersey. I got a Marner jersey. I got a Mar Matthews jersey. Because I just figured that everyone was getting a Matthews jersey, and why not, why not switch it up a bit? So I got a Marner jersey. I really like Mitch, but – 
You sign an offer sheet. Oh. oh, if he signs an offer sheet and the Leafs match, screw Nylander Heat. That, that's worse. That's basically you, you saying. You think JT was bad when he went back to the island? Imagine if Mitch leaves and comes back to Toronto. Yeah, that's not going to look good. And people are going to try to vilify. There's going to be a crowd that's going to try to vilify Dubas. Yeah, well, there's a crowd uh, that tries to vilify everyone. Yeah, look. They'll find a way to blame it look, on Nylander, I'm sure. If Mar- let's say Marner's de- like reported my offer sheet was like, let's say four million dollars more than what the Leafs are offering, I could see that. If a team signs, but then, him- but then it sends the wrong message, and this is what this whole idea has been: is about sending the wrong. He's sent that this message that is being sent right now is wrong. Let's talk about that scenario. Yeah, because a lot of people love Mitch. There yeah. is not a player in this league you do not. You look at for four first round picks, and say you're worth maybe maybe him. McDavid, but that's just because he's McDavid the guy. Yeah, McDavid Crosby like that level. Crosby, yeah, they wouldn't trade Crosby. Like Nashville took the Weber deal, and guess yeah. what? He didn't last. No, he was there for less than five years after he signed that offer sheet. Not even. I think it was less than that too. Yeah. Like, you you put your team in a situation where guess what? You're gonna stick around because we believe in you, but. It, as soon it's as a, a deal. cliche, but no players above the team. No. And as much as people love Mitch, there's no coming back from that situation in my no. mind if he signs the offer sheet because it says I, I'm okay with not being here. Now, here's the second scenario. To even say Nylander me. didn't sign an offer sheet. He had a chance. No, he did. I mean, there was a certain point where he couldn't. It was I on think. the – it was but, available. Like, yeah. there was talks about it. Yeah. And he didn't. Um. Here's another scenario that saves the Leafs money. The Leafs take the uh, take the the compensation, put Bracco up. A very now I'm not saying Jeremy Bracco is Mitch Marner, but their styles are very uh, similar. Oh, Jeremy Bracco is going to be so good. I I got to call I'm hope, out. I'm 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 vying for Jeremy Bracco because the Leafs need a guy like that below oh, their lineup, lower so in their lineup. Good. Either with Matthews, imagine. Bracco setting up Matthews and Nylander's on the left side. I would like that. Although I don't think Babcock would Jesus, take that. No, he'd hate that line. That'd be the least defensive line on earth. Or you put Bracco on the third line and you just ride Bracco, Kadri, Marlowe, which I like too. There's a lot of scenarios that make so, me very excited. I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment. No yeah. player should be above the team, which is why I think – Everything that's being said right now about highlighting Sandin, Keith. Talk about a good player. Yeah, you got. We're highlighting one player for the whole team's accomplishment. Cascasulo's been good. Um, I've liked Lilligren. He's been good. I like uh, Joseph Duzak. He's been pretty good. Korshkov looked pretty good in his first game. Matt Hollowell. Matt Hollowell. Like this is Ryan McGregor. I haven't really he seen. hasn't been in the lineup. He hasn't been think. in the lineup. I was gonna say, um, but I like Ryan McGregor. Good guy, I'm sure. And you know what? Somebody tried to say, "Oh, what did you think about double shift?" I can't remember who asked the question to Keith. I I listened to his conferences, and so what do you think about trusting a guy and guy like Duzak or somebody like a younger defensive later in the lineup? Like, does that show you you're willing to give the younger guys a chance? He, they were trying to take a little dig at Babcock not wanting to double shift guys, and Keith's response was beautiful. He's like. All the other guys are tired. It would have been a disservice to put them out, so I put the fresh legs out, and he did well. Not my first choice. He even said that. It wasn't my first choice, but my options were limited. 
we're trying. Some people are trying to push this narrative that Keith is a lot of people. He's playing the hot hand. He's playing what he has available to him. Do you want to see Jordan? A, Subban a lot of people are pushing this. Keith is the next, yeah, coach of the Leafs, which is fine. He but could be. He could. Or be. he could go elsewhere. It's his choice. Yeah, and a lot of people the, have been saying, "Why would he leave?" Right now, the way I see it, Mike Babcock is still signed to that deal. He's not going anywhere until, you know, either he leaves or the team makes him yeah. leave. Exactly. Um, Marlies will begin their second round, their, their third round series. Sorry, their conference finals. Yeah. It's they're gonna have some rest. Yeah, they got a week off. Next well, Friday is the first game of the series. That's gonna be a little ugly. That first game, I think. Charlotte, be... Charlotte trying to draw the Drake curse. They asked, that was they good. asked Drake if they wanted to come out of their game. That was that a was, good post. You know how teams feel about the Marlies in the playoffs when the best team in the league has to resort to asking Drake to come curse them in order to get a W? Yeah. Um, also good way to poke fun of social Oh, absolutely. Media. I know that's not what that's for, but that's immediately. I was like, ha, ah, you need help. So um, I've been, I've been debating because of how long we've gone on with this. I apologize for this being a longer episode, but uh, this is what we're going to do. Three-week break kind of constitutes. I've made, I, as, a, as the host slash producer of this, I've made a decision. Um, the, we're going to play the Ashley Docking interview right now. Fair warning, we don't ask her anything about the Leafs because we just spent an hour talking about Leafs, Blue Jays. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Blue Jays, we spent way too much time on this. Way more time than they deserve, yeah. quite honestly. Um, so this is strictly on the Raptors and a little Toronto Rock. Yeah. So the uh, Raptors, give a little context, though. Yeah. The Raptors are lost game six last yeah. night on Thursday. So we're recording this right now. As I'm saying, this is almost 8 o'clock on a Friday because Austin and I have nothing else better to do with our time. Nope. And um, we interviewed Ashley before the show started. Thank God we did that because it would have been really long. Uh, we're going to send it over to Ashley's interview right now. So, uh, yeah, I think that's how we're going to do it. So let's throw in Ashley. Go to Ash. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-T. Ladies and gentlemen, David Morissuti has allowed me to do the intro again, so this is going to be a disaster, probably. We will see. Um, our guest today was nice enough to come on to talk a little bit of Raptors and whatever else we uh, we have come across. Uh, you know her from Sportsnet 590, the fan starting lineup, and if you were me, like a lacrosse fan, you will know her from her work with the NLL. Ashley Docking is with us today. Ash, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. And that intro was very good. I think we should do them all going forward. Uh, mediocre vote, at best. I appreciate vote. it, though. <laughs> I was going to say, if there <laughs> is somebody that knows whether an intro is done properly yeah. or not, it's probably you. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. So, Raptors. Um, how, 
I don't even know how to feel about this because we are we like to talk hockey on here, and obviously we had another team that had a three-two lead. Um, didn't go so well for them. The Raptors last night, obviously, a uh, bit of a big loss to the 76ers. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to feel. How should we feel? <laughs> about Game 7? Uh, uh, game 6, should... Game 7. <laughs> well, I think Game 6 is over. Um, yeah. You can feel however you want to feel about it, but moving forward, Game 7, you should probably feel as though it's not too big of a surprise yeah. um, for a matchup that quite frankly, has been back and forth the entire time. And I think if you were someone who thought that this game wasn't going to go six or seven and there wasn't going to be ebbs and flows, then I don't really know what teams you've been watching throughout the regular season. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, it it just feels like every game in this series has been one Raptors team and then a totally different Raptors team. You get the game one, really good Raptors. The game two... Not so good, but not bad, like good enough that they were able to keep it close. And then you get the really bad Raptors, and then the good, ra- somewhat better Raptors, and the good Raptors. It's just been an up and down swing. There's not been a consistency to it. So I think we would probably say a consistency has been the problem for this team. Um, is that the feel you get that consistency? Be- not from Kawhi. I think we can all say Kawhi has <laughs> been pretty much consistently good, but has consistency been the big issue from? everyone outside of him? Um, maybe to a certain extent. I mean, Pascal Siak has been quite consistent throughout this whole mm-hmm. postseason. I think that you can say Marc Gasol has been super consistent on the defensive end, even if he's leaving a little bit to be desired offensively. But I think two of the games that we saw them struggle with the most, in Game 6 included, is just missing wide-open three-point opportunities. And that's just how it goes sometimes. This Toronto Raptors team has been really good at shooting the three since the trade that since um all-star break excuse me and so it's something that you should be feel confident in and when they're going to get those open looks of course they have to pull from distance you just you have to take shots that people are giving you especially when they're shots that say danny green can definitely make kyle lowry can definitely make but they've ran into some trouble they've gotten cold behind the line on a number of occasions and that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Um, another area of, uh, I guess, coming into the season, another area that was looked at as a strength for the Raptors was definitely the bench. Um, as we've gone along in the season, it hasn't looked as strong as the bench mob from last year. Um, you lose OG Ananobi at the start, uh, over the last little stretch. Um how big do you think the bench struggles have been? Is it something that's being overblown, or is it something that is a real issue for the Raps? Well, the Raptors bench mob went extinct as soon as <laughs> Pascal Siakam was introduced to the starting lineup at the beginning of the season. I mean, I think more than anything, what we learned was that he was the catalyst for change in games last year, and it wasn't, although you had a bench group who was even sticking with the opponent starters, or protecting leads, this group was going out and taking leads, winning games. And without Pascal Siakam to add that energy and that athleticism and what's become a scoring touch, it's just, it, it ain't it. It just really isn't. Yeah. And yeah, OG Ananobi not being in the mix is a factor. But quite frankly, his season's been a little bit up and down. You talk about inconsistencies. Well, that's someone that's been extremely inconsistent. And listen, his year's been really tough. He's been in and out of the lineup 
not only with injuries, but he's dealt with a lot of, of family tragedy. And so it's hard to go through something like that, come back, perform at a high level, all for a young player who's 21 years old and still trying to grow. Um, I don't, I think that he would definitely be a boost for them if and when he's able to come back during this postseason run. But I mean, Fred Van Bleet's been struggling. He's acknowledged as much. Norman Powell is kind of a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get. I think the bright spot, though, in this particular series with the 76ers has been Serge Ibaka. And you guys, what can you say about someone who really just had a resurgent year in his career? Like, everyone carried him out. No one wanted him to touch the ball. They were treating him like he was a poor man's JV. And it was really disrespectful. But this guy came out and just absolutely turned it around this year. And then on top of it, the Raptors go get Marcus Gasol, demote Serge Ibaka to the bench, and he still comes and brings mid-range jump shots. He's still blocking the ball. He's still protecting the rim. He's still, to a certain extent, providing some perimeter defense. Um, he's definitely uh, a bright spot coming off the bench for sure. How big was that elbow, do you think, by Kawhi? That seemed to have turned Serge's entire series around. What do you mean? Because <laughs> he, he got elbowed from his own teammate, it turned his series around? Yes. No. Uh, I don't think that that's the thing. So. That no, I'm more in agreement with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a take. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> well, I do think, though, that, you know, he, he had a good humor about it. I mean, I didn't think he, Serge he said his was, modeling career was over? Yeah. yeah. He's got a good... Yeah, but the, the thing is with guys is that, you know, scars just add to their appeal, whereas women have to go hide with scarves over their faces if their skin isn't flawless. I mean, the modeling career might be done, but he's a good personality. That YouTube series is going to go strong after his career is done. The chef's hat will hide it, probably. <laughs> would you ever eat anything that Serge would offer in those shows to you? Yeah, why not? Wow. <laughs> you, you guys wouldn't? There's a couple, You know what? If it's put on a pizza like he did for Kawhi, yeah. probably. Uh, but if it's just on its own, I can't do things like that on its own. Like, cow tongue isn't that weird. A lot of different cultures yes, cook yeah, it, eat it, serve it. Uh, chicken foot is pretty popular as well in a lot of different places. Um, like, innards and gizzards and stuff like that, it's yeah. not that foreign to me personally. So I honestly don't think it's that bad. I think it's just, like, a lot of really... Like a lot of really scared white people who are like, oh, we just had chicken fingers growing up and uh, we're not sure what any of these ingredients are and it makes them uncomfortable. That hit a little too close to home there. And you, and it's almost... Because <laughs> you put ketchup on your steak. Hey, Sorry. no, whoa, whoa <laughs> there. <laughs> no, just the chicken fingers. Uh-huh. Uh. But, and so actually going into game seven, I mean, this is not a game that many Rash fans were probably thinking about especially a couple of days ago. Um, what is going to be the thing you're looking forward to the most about this game seven? A win. Yeah. Uh, to right. not be have to talking about the Vince Carter graduation game in 2001 anymore. If the Raptors are able to pull this off against yeah. the 76ers. Um, I think one of the biggest things for this is going to be the start of Kyle Lowry. You know, a lot of people want to give this guy slack for his perceived shortcomings. Um, his lack of offense, uh, I guess his inconsistency as a whole. But I really love the body of work that Kyle Lowry has put together. And this team is significantly better with the trio of Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyle Lowry on the floor at all times throughout the series. If he's able to push the pace, 
if he's able to kind of set the tone early, I think it bodes well for the Raptors. And I don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it's like pushing 80% of teams who win game sevens at home. So it's the Raptors game to lose really. And you don't really play for much during the regular season, but home court advantage in game seven is something that you can say the regular season was worth it because it puts Toronto really in a, in a good position in this game against Philly. Who's the one player? I know you brought up, you know, Kyle and Danny Green. Who's other than Kawhi? Who's the one guy you think can have a surprising game seven in terms of, you know, really elevating their play to another level? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it would be a surprise if any of the starters elevated their games. I mean, they've all had their moments. Even someone like Fred Van Vliet had his moment in game, I think it was game five, when he kind of bodied Jimmy Butler, who was trying to post up, and then switched on to Joel Embiid, stripped the ball, went the other way. So so he's acknowledged his struggles, but he had his moments. I guess the only thing I could say is that Mark Gasol producing a little bit more on offense would be nice, and it would probably take a little bit of pressure off Kawhi Leonard. But at the end of the day, like, it's, they win it's going to be because of Kawhi so now I, I actually wanted to talk to a little bit of something not Raptors related and that's kind of your journey through your media career um I listened to Uh-oh. your podcast with uh, with Toronto Mike and I and you know um I know the work you do over at the at Sportsnet because uh once in a while when I'm in during the day I do see you come onto the web desk side uh, and talk with Drew, um, but just don't tell Drew that I was late. Shout out Drew. <laughs> Shout out Drew, as he's now known as producer Drew. Um, what was um, the moment that you were offered um, this position as to be a host on the starting lineup? Um, I know that you had done a lot of TV work. Uh, you've done stuff. With, I know Austin's going to ask you some lacrosse stuff, and you've yeah. done work, and you still do work there. Um, but did you ever envision of having a career as a as a radio host, especially as a one of the main chair hosts? So, first of all, please show some respect to Drew. Put some respect on his name. He is the YouTube manager, I believe. Yes, over at Sportsnet. So, producer he is Drew, manager. like no disrespect to producers, but let's give him the regal title he deserves. We know from watching Game of Thrones how important titles are. Oh, yes. So, with that out of the way. <laughs> Um, no, I didn't see myself as a radio host. I mean, I don't really think it's like a lot. I don't think it's really a title that a ton of people aspire to. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure why. Maybe it's because there aren't really too many positions available, or maybe it's kind of a daunting task, especially for women, because you don't really see other females in this role. Um, but, you know, I was thrilled when I started doing radio. Uh, it was kind of an unexpected opportunity that was given to me and I just ran with it. So it's quickly becoming, you know, one of the favorite things that I've ever done. And I love the group of guys that I work with. So, um, I'm happy that I kind of stumbled into it and was able to, you know, advance my career in that field. And I know you also do some work uh, on the digital side with Drew, who is the YouTube manager. That is correct. There you go. Uh, you you <laughs> do got the, it down this time. You do the Raptors game day. I know there's been a rotation between you. Uh, there's been Faisal Kamisa, Danielle Michaud. Um, and I know the 
digital, we call him the digital manager. I call him the digital, uh, senior dig, digital video producer, I believe is his title, Graham. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, Graham's awesome. Um, how do you, I, I know that's something you, you like to do because I know you like to do the video work. Um, was that something um, when you were presented that opportunity, was it something that um, you saw as, you know, you still get to do your radio stuff, but you, it's kind of like you still get to do your video on top of that as well? Yeah, I mean, that's literally exactly what it was. It was just another outlet, I guess, a different medium, potentially reaching a different audience. But I mean, the more you can do in this industry, and I'm sure you guys know this, <laughs> the more that you can do, the more diverse your skill set, the more you um, can contribute to the company that you work for. And so the fact that they trusted me to, you know, jump on this new initiative, it uh, it was exciting. What if you had to give somebody a young uh, person that wants to get into media? Want, I know it's you've probably been asked this question before, and it's probably you wouldn't have one piece of advice. But what would you tell somebody that you know gets told, and I get told this too, is that you know opportunities are hard to come by, and it's really hard to get a good career in sports. What would you tell somebody that? was kind of looking for some uh, some advice from someone like yourself? I don't think it's hard to get a good job in sports. I think it's hard to consistently work as hard as you have to to be involved in the sports industry. It's something that never stops. It's all-encompassing. It's 12 months of the year. It's more than 12 hours of the day. Um you have to just really want it and you can't be lazy. I think that that's kind of where it starts. And I would also say probably don't be a, think you're above any opportunity. You never know who you'll meet. You never know what you'll be good at until you try. And uh, kind of to your earlier point about me finding my way into radio, you'll never know um, what you'll, you know, get your first really big um, national opportunity doing if you're saying no to things because you're either scared or you thought it wasn't quote unquote in your past. Um, I want to jump over to the lacrosse side cause we don't get to talk a lot about it. And he tells me that every episode, <laughs> by the way, it's just so you know, well, geez, Is that what we don't talk about it a lot that I don't talk about lacrosse a lot. We don't get to talk about the rocker a lot of that side that I right. love so much a lot. I deprive so. Austin. That's basically what he's trying to say. Yeah. Um, I like to try and talk it on the podcast as much. Anyway. Um, and you should. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So just... Force it down people's throats, Austin. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Well, uh, one person at a time, we're trying to convert over to lacrosse. <laughs> Fighting uh, the good fight. Yeah. Well, you're doing a better job than I am. Obviously, you hopped over to um, the NLL. Uh, I believe it was last season. Uh, you were able to work on the desk with them doing all the stories. Now you've um, hopped over to a role between the benches when they made the deal with Ble Ble words Bleacher Report Live. Um, yep. What has the change been like, I guess, in uh, just going from working that desk and uh, doing daily features to uh, just being right in between and in the action? Um, I don't really know how to answer that. It's just not my job anymore. So that's the major difference is that instead oh. of doing... The NOL, I work for the fan, so yeah. 
my attentions have changed. I don't know. Being a sideline reporter is different because it's exciting. It's game day. You never know what you're going to expect. Um, it was cool working for the NLL with Tyson Geick and being able to, you know, curate whatever content that we wanted to. We didn't get a ton of direction from the league when I started. So we were able to create a content schedule of whatever we thought fans would like and fans would want. Um, it was a lot of work. There were not a lot of resources. So it was a little bit tedious, but it wasn't thankless. Um, I think a lot of lacrosse fans, they really received the the show that we created, Relax, really well. And so it was it was nice to kind of get into editing and producing and see projects all the way through, which is something when you're on air, you don't really get the opportunity to do as much. But it was a lot of work. Like, I don't think, not to kind of shoot my own horn, but, you know, Tyson and I worked really, really hard when we worked for the NLL. And um, it, it was worth it for sure. But it was, it was, sometimes it was tireless. Yeah. Um, just... <laughs> Yeah, the thankless job is for sure. And uh, quickly, thank you, because you saved my bacon. Um, we first time we met at the NLL draft, because you gave right? uh, you gave me a story idea, and we ended up running it, and everyone loved it. So what thank was you. it? The one it. with um, the family from Buffalo that came down for the draft. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. So it's so funny. I just saw that family when Buffalo was here last, okay. I don't know what it was, like a month ago or something. Yeah. Uh, one of the daughters, her name's Steph, I follow her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So they're like the sweetest family. The daughters are so nice. The yeah. mom and dad are so cute. So, uh, yeah, I do, uh, I actually remember that now that you mention it. Yeah. Um, it was, sorry, I might seem a little weird here, but that, um, was that your first chance to sort of take in the NLL, uh, an event like that? No, I covered major series lacrosse Okay. Uh, since 2012, maybe. Okay. So I've been around the game for quite a long time. It wasn't my yeah. uh, first experience with that. I've been out of major series for a couple of years, so excuse my ignorance on that one. Okay. Um, just being able to be around the sport, I mean, what is one thing that's important to get across to fans when you're talking about lacrosse that maybe doesn't get uh, as much mainstream attention? I think the, probably the biggest thing is that, like, these guys work real jobs, yeah. right? Like, some of the young guys live in market, and the teams put them up and things like that. But for the majority of it, I think maybe, maybe like, 80 to 90% of guys, they all have full-time jobs. And, um, you know, I think that people know it, but it's not really emphasized enough that not only do they work Monday to Friday, they have to go for a practice, and then they miss work on Friday if there's a game, and then they travel back home on Saturday, and then you know, Sunday, get ready for work again. And it's just a never ending cycle. And it goes on for quite a long time. So no one does this job to get rich. No one really does this job for notoriety. It's literally all for love of the game. And um, that's probably one of the most commendable things about these guys. Like lacrosse is not a soft sport, right? Yeah. Like we know this, people are getting hacked and jabbed and prodded and punched and the the vitriol that goes back and forth between the benches is it's second to none the chirping let's just say from guys <laughs> in the NLL you you so, would know better than I would I yes I have been quickly educated on uh, <laughs> the quick wits of some of these players let's just call it but yeah I think that's the thing is that they just really really love it and hopefully one day it will turn into a situation where 
it's not as uh, much of a fringe sport as I think it is now. You were able to cover The Rock this year, and it wasn't such a great year uh, last year, as we know, right. you and I. But 8-1 and one at home this year, uh, you were able to see a lot of great moments, a couple overtime wins. Um, what has it been like just to be around the team this year? Um, I mean, I'm not really... Like, I'm around them on game days, just like yeah. you, but otherwise I don't really, like, spend that much time at the track or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and, like, also their season last year wasn't all that bad. They got kind of stifled with that huge injury of Tom Schreiber, which derailed them. But, mm. you know, they were kind of off to a pretty good start, as I remember it. They Remember when they slaughtered Vancouver? Yeah, they, so, what was they that? They put most... up, like, 20, 21 or 25 goals or something like that. I like, was... I got in trouble for that game, actually, really? for talking about how much they absolutely just well, shit-kicked Vancouver. I remember that night, I was watching the game, and I was still interning at 590, and they were beating them so bad that I told the uh, the update anchor that they had to run it, and we kept running updates on it, because it was like, they'd score, like, five goals every five minutes. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a slaughter. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Being around the team is cool. Like, the guys are really nice. The staff's wonderful. The access to the players and coaching staff is really unparalleled from anything that I've covered. And, you know, I've been to, you know, a number of Raptors games or NBA Summer League or working for the Oilers or whatever the case may be. Like, the access to lacrosse players is obviously going to be much easier. And they, they really embrace it, and they honestly make my job so much easier just because of how willing they are to be open and honest with me. I have one more thing, because I think Dave wanted to ask something. Um, sure. After the first game, I remember we had a quick chat, and you mentioned that the um, in between the benches, there's no gate, so you had to jump over. As um, I'm assuming you've become a master now at getting over the gate. Yeah, like, put me in the Olympics for hurdles at this point, <laughs> goddammit. Or at least steeplechase or something like that. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's fine. It, the only thing, it just limits my outfit choices. Obviously, no skirts, no dresses. Not trying to really, like, slash anyone over Bleacher Report Live. You, you feel me? Yeah, no, I gotcha. <laughs> it's not really good for the old image. Or is it? I don't know. It just depends on what image I'm trying to cultivate, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know if you want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> So I got uh, two questions. Uh, um, one is is I did I do know that the Rock are playing Buffalo in the yeah. East final. I have been wow. keeping tabs. So how did I forget great, that question? Great research. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, I've been keeping. I mean, Austin. <laughs> she would have. It's mainly she would have played me worse if I if I had said that. Don't um, worry. But who do you have a prediction for the game? Oh no, I don't. I don't really like predictions. To be honest with you. Um, I th- well, if, did you guys see? Well, maybe only Austin saw the video that the Buffalo Bandits had put out about oh, how yeah. they're going to be like out for blood and yeah. how like they hate the Toronto Rock. And it was like a pretty aggressive hype video with yeah. really like those those are fighting words kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it's just going to be a slugfest, honestly. And I probably think it's going to come down to the team that's able to toe the line between being aggressive and answering the bell when it comes to stepping up physically, but not going over the line and giving the other team opportunity on the power play too many times. Okay, and the last question, Sunday, now, it complicates my Sunday too because I'm a big (laughs) Game of Thrones person, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also working on the desk that night at Sportsnet, so it's not like I can just watch Game of Thrones while I'm editing someone's column, but... um, does that impact your Sunday and whether you will watch Game of Thrones while the Raptors game is on? 
Um, well, I think the Raptors game is going to be earlier in the afternoon, so it shouldn't be yes. too much of a crossover, especially if there's going to be three Game 7s. I believe if the Rockets win tonight, yeah. then – well, tonight, Friday. I don't know when you guys release it, so I don't want to date <laughs> it. But if the Rockets win on Friday, then it'll be three Game 7s on Sunday. So I think the Raptors game won't coincide with Game of Thrones. Um, it'll be another game, but I mean, I'm not really, I'm like a new recent Game of Thrones person, so okay. I can probably wait until Monday. I mean, it's probably more important that I watch basketball so I can <laughs> do my job yeah. on Monday <laughs> as opposed to satisfy my appetite to see who's going to rule Westeros, you know? I was going to say, you come home from your radio show, you take a nap, and then you're able to watch Game of Thrones after. I know that. The exactly. Gr- yeah, yeah. How how is that grind of waking up? I, I never I've heard about like people waking up super early in the morning and you have that. Early are we start are we time. keeping you up right now? <laughs> no, I was napping all day. Okay, cool. Fine. I woke up at like two p.m. Wow, yeah, that's like when I wake up. Except I don't actually have to work a national show and do all that stuff. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not it's not too bad. Like I mean, obviously it's hella early, but. Um, I mean, you're, I'm done at nine, so I basically still have another full day to do whatever I want to do, which is nice. It's kind of extended my life. Every day is two days. Is that odd though? Just sort of, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but doing the show and then getting out and you're done work and it's still 9am and you're like, it's so much time for activities now, the rest of my day. (laughs) Stepbrothers. Yeah. There's so much room for activities and stuff. Um, Look at how free my schedule is. I guess it was weird a little bit when I first started but it's kind of good I guess because you can just do whatever you want you have all the time in the world well you have the reverse grind for me I have the good old working till either midnight 1am or 2am so that's part of the reason I I do watch uh, a lot of the clips and stuff because it's part of my job to know what's going on Um, so you're doing a fantastic job on the radio I will say um, and you, I, oh, you sound so surprised. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> no, I, I try to... No, I, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, ne- I'm not never surprised. And, and you know what? Because I always listened to you when you were doing, uh, even before you got the full time, when you were do- covering for um, Good Show and Jeff Blair. Um, I thought right, it, was, right. it was a long time coming to have uh, your voice on the radio. Because um, I know you did a lot of the night shows as well. And those are always a grind, too. Yeah. So um, you guys gotta stop complaining about this night stuff. Like I loved the night shows. You could get away with so much more. That's and I true. felt like you could really just like exercise your creative muscles because there's no real outline to the show, right? Like you can kind of do whatever you want at the time. Like with the morning show we have reads and contests and segments and bits yeah. and guests that you have to fit in. The yeah. night show you can just do whatever it is that you want. So you gotta start thinking about it in a more of a positive light, you guys. Come well, on now. The positive part is that the guys who are able to do the night show now that I've been seeing, you know, guys like Sam McKee, uh I know Josh Goldberg Josh was doing Goldberg the show. afternoon show with uh Rob today, so those guys get their chance. Uh, I know that not all producers want to be producers forever, so it's good to hear them on the uh, Yeah, on the shout out side. those guys. They were, uh, well, I knew them from when I was an intern, but they're all great guys. So uh, I, I definitely know that they uh, there's always a good opportunity uh, if you're willing to do those nights as well, as I found out in my line For of work. For sure. So, uh, Ashley, want to thank you very much uh, for coming on. Uh, hopefully... When we hopefully talk to you in the future again, it won't be about another Game 7 where the Raptors have 
loss to the 76ers because we know what happened the last time. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about that graduation <sighs> stuff. It's only been 18 years, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we're not holding any kind of yeah, burden or baggage right. at all. It's fine. It's normal. It's we're fine. not insecure inside. Everything will be fine. Yes. <laughs> so we want to thank you again for coming on, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Man, thanks, guys. I had fun. Uh, have a great day. Thanks, Ash. Um, so, yeah, that was a great conversation with our good, uh, well, more of Austin. Oh, I forgot friend. to ask her about her, her Twitter handle. Damn it. Oh, the outro. That's heartbreaking. That was you hate to see it. Oh. Um, Austin, well, you have a chance right now. I'm going to give you a second to pull up Ashley's Twitter stuff so we can make oh, sure that people give her a shout out. I know it. We're good. Uh, actually, let me make sure there's no undercase or anything in it. Um, so what we're going to do, um, again, as the... It worked. I think it worked with Haley's interview too, because that was a lengthy one too. We are gonna do. We're gonna put the interview in this podcast that you just heard, and we're also gonna do a separate file yeah. of just the interview. If you just want, let's say you're a friend of Ashley's or a coworker, or don't want to hear us talk, or don't want to cool. hear, or you just want to hear Ashley's interview, we are putting that separate on the site. Uh, we'll tweet that out too. So if you want to listen to that, um, yeah, it was great, Ashley. You know what? I like her personality. She's willing. We. She's willing to take shots at me, yeah. which is great. I mean, first off, Drew, don't hate me. <laughs> I I enjoy a good chirp, and that was good. Yeah. Uh, I always appreciate those. Um, All right, um, Ashley, docking my favorite Twitter handle. All right. Well, her thing is smartash. Yeah. S M R T A S H, on Twitter. Should she smart? SMRT. It's the uh, Simpsons. Yep. Fantastic. As it, you would have heard off our lead-in, that was the clip. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm assuming that would have to be a thing. I didn't get to ask her, so I won't know until I talk to her next. I'll have to ask her. Yeah. So we're going to have to uh, have her on again for sure. Yeah. Um, with that being said, this is a game I didn't expect the Raptors to play. I thought this would have been done in six. This is... Eerily similar to the Leafs in what respect is that the Leafs had the Bruins dead to rights in game six and failed to to take advantage. The Raptors had the Sixers dead to rights in game six. Nope. Jimmy Butler. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a good player. No doubt about it. Ben Simmons should not have had the impact he had offensively. It's bullshit. So... What do you think happens in Game 7? I have a lot more confidence than I did in the Leafs. And I equate back to the Leafs because they were in a similar situation. 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 <laughs> Words, Austin. Again, I'm having trouble with them today. Because um, the Leafs are on the road. You obviously like your chances better in front of your home crowd than you do yeah. against the road crowd. Big thing for me is the if Kawhi is the only one that's hitting shots, they're going to be in trouble. I will say this. Kawhi... Didn't have his best game in game Hold six. On, let me, sorry, let me read there. Yeah. If Kawhi and Siakam are the only two, nah. like they have, I, you know, and that's one thing I regretted is I didn't give Siakam the due when mm-hmm. I was talking with Ashley about that. But I, Kawhi has been the focal point of this. He series. has been. And not, I got caught up in the Kawhi mania yeah. stuff. So. And he's been the headline. So, oh, due respect to Pascal, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Excuse us for that. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, Kawhi, I think Kawhi needs to have. A, well, Either the right at the start or in that second half, 
He needs to have that posterizing beat on the first possession. He does. You know, he didn't have the best Set game. The in, tone. He only had 21 points in game five. Yeah. But it's the tone, the defense. I think if the Raptors frustrate the Sixers defensively, it makes them, it makes their chances a lot better. Like Gazal hitting shots in Game Five was good. Green, like those, they were not hit. They were, and I think Ashley's right in that. You know, sometimes you make them, sometimes you don't. Yeah. So I think this is a case where I think those, you know, at home, you're a lot more comfortable. I think that's gonna make it. You've had a couple a days off as well and get to get set and yeah. All those cliches. <laughs> All those cliches, but I think the Raptors Make or miss can, league, though, they, is exactly right. I think they can pull this off. Uh, it's going to be close, though. You saw you saw what happened in Game 5 when the Raptors, other than the guys that have been scoring consistently, when Fred and Danny... And all these guys got in their groove and were hitting shots. And they I, won by 30. 30-something. Yeah. It, they, it's not just the offense. It's the defense. That's what makes the Raptors as good yep. as they are. It's not just the offense. It they have to be good in their own end. Definitely. Uh, with that being said, I want to spend the rest of my Friday doing other stuff. I mean, I'll be editing this. but I got to talk lacrosse today, and now I get to go home and watch more lacrosse. Yeah. Love it. Um. I will be probably considering there's not going to be much going on Saturday night. I will probably watch that Toronto Rock game. Well, I'll give you my credentials if you want to watch it. Yeah, that's the only thing is it's. I, but Bleacher Report, I think they have a free trial to watch. They do, that. but it's only five minutes. Oh, it's really silly. It's not. So a I day. will pick the best five minutes. Nah. Yeah, I'll let you know when there's a stretch. No, you can just you can watch on two devices. Oh, so you can. So just we're not doing anything legal. Sweet. No, nope. love that. Uh, just I, I I you know the thing is like I do. I don't mind lacrosse. Have you? Uh, I don't think you've been to a rock game before, have you? We gotta get I, went, I used to go as a kid. Okay, good. Um, it's just, you know what? Worst timing when they have their games sometimes. Yeah, no, it's it's not easy, especially if you're a person that's busy on weekends. It's yeah. Lacrosse is not Or you work a lot of weekends like I do. I'm busy on weekends, but I also write lacrosse for a living, so... Uh, you kind of even it out. It works that way. Yeah. So once again, we want to say thank you to Ashley Docking for coming on. Yes. Um, three straight. I, I want. No, I'm not making this point just because I. Three straight female guests, which I'm really happy about. Haley, yeah. Marissa, who was fantastic too, and, and so Ashley. All three of them have been awesome. And all three of them have been fantastic interviews. I'm not saying that CJ and Keegan have like underwhelming boys. Pick it up. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know what? I'll I, say it. I like that. Especially I appreciate in a lot of all of our that, guests. Yeah, but they they have been willing to push and not hide their opinions too, which was fantastic. Um, I I think it doesn't get said enough that uh, women work really hard in this industry. I and it is we work a lot. Of it them. is one of the most difficult industries to get. Notice, oh, and even get just noticed. get into, yeah, and have people. It sucks, like, and you know what? And and Ashley's right. The opportunities are there. Yep, you have not... to grind for them. And she's a person that's I've seen it, and yeah. I didn't want to. I'm sure she wouldn't have minded, but I didn't want to go too far into that. You didn't want had... to kiss butt too much. No, because I, I mean, whatever. But, but she deserves it. Yeah, no, I didn't want to do that just because we had amount of time that we wanted to get that interview done in and yeah I and i was it pumping your time and because i was late and yeah just we didn't want to take up too much of her time but it's she, friday when i was at yeah. 590 like you said when we were doing the interview she was mm-hmm. doing night shows she was doing day shows she was doing mid-afternoon shows 
And then she was, after she was done those, she was going out to cover lacrosse games on the road on the weekend for mm-hmm. the NLL. She has been grinding for so long, and I'm happy to know her yeah, and be able to work alongside of her because she is incredible. So, again, Ashley, thank you. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I was a little more fired up. Might be a little more fired up depending on what happens with the Raptors. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate you all being patient with us today. So make sure you listen to our next episode. We're going to try to be back a little more regularly. Um, more Marley's content. Yeah, go Marley's. Um, because they deserve to be covered. They've been playing really well. We haven't. Yeah. It's tough to cover them during the year because a watching them when we're working on a Saturday, like I don't like wa- covering a team based on a score uh, on a box score. I, I want to watch them play and be able to say definitely. You One more thing. Oh, on... you have some news to drop too. The Marley's news. Oh, uh, yes. For Lindgren joining the team. So there you go. Um, if you say this long to hear that, I commend you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, one more thing on uh, Ashley, just before I go, because I'd feel bad as an NLL writer to not mention this. Um, she's doing um, sideline reporting for the NLL Cup final. Ooh. She was picked. Um, yeah, she's just. They picked certain uh, broadcasters from every team and just put the best team. Uh, I'm having some trouble with words today, David. Uh, they just put the best possible team together from around the league, and she's the best sideline person. And I agree with that. So, congrats, Ashley. Hopefully, I'm really excited to listen to the final. Hopefully, hopefully it's in Toronto. That would be say. awesome. And maybe I'll try to go out oh, as a ticket go. purchaser. Supports, support your teams. Sports Tickets fans. are cheap. Uh, I'm, I've been told the beer is good. I don't drink. so. I mean, the beer is Scotiabank beer, so it should be good. Pricey, but good. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, you Jay, Jay's has scored four runs in the first... Oh my God! First two innings. They heard me. Yeah, they've scored more runs. Anyway, they've somehow heard this podcast. You will hear about the Jays from us for a while. That's they somehow heard me talk on this podcast without this podcast being up. Unless unless Keegan comes back on, that's the last you'll hear of the Jays for a while. I have somebody in mind actually as our next guest too. Things. So we will. uh, Things are rolling. We'll get that done. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.